Heavenly Father, we have come seeking your word this morning because we know that through it we have salvation. And so, Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit to us this morning and apply your decrees to us so that we live for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we return to our series in the book of John. Uh, we're taking a break from the series that we've been conducting in 1 Samuel. And so we've returned to John's Gospel, which I looked up my records. I started preaching on in 2008. So hopefully this will be the end uh, for us as we look at 15, 16 and 17 together. That's my plan uh, into 2021. And so we'll finally finish. Uh, and of course, 18, 19 and 20, I've been, uh, not, not 21 so much, I've been covering an Easter, so Good Friday and uh, Easter Sunday services. Uh, but hopefully we will enjoy these last words of the Lord Jesus to his disciples uh, before he went to the cross. And so that's what we've been looking at when we've looked at this uh, before our last time together. We looked at Jesus' final words, uh, his Disciples are gathered to him at this Last Supper, and it's almost like as a father is on his deathbed, and he gathers his children around him and gives them some final words and some encouragement before he goes uh, to die. And these words here this morning are ones of an illustration that he's giving his disciples about how they are to live for his glory. And he uses this old farming illustration. It's an old illustration of a vineyard. And we know it's an old illustration because it's used a number of times in the Old Testament to refer to God's people. Uh, there's this illustration that is picked up in Isaiah 5, as we saw before when I read that aloud, and we even saw at Psalm 80 as we began the service, uh, that there's this illustration of a vineyard which is used for God's people. And here in chapter 15, we see Jesus explaining how the vineyard works. And he says in verse 1, I am the true vine. So we have this vine, and that is the Lord Jesus. And then he tells us that the father is the gardener. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. So picture the vineyard, you've got a vine and you've got a gardener. The vine is Jesus and the gardener is God the father. And then there are branches. We read in verse 2, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. We have branches coming off Jesus as the vine. And these are people. There are people who bear fruit, and there are people who do not bear fruit. Who are the people who bear fruit? Well, of course, they're God's people. And then we have people who do not bear fruit. Who are these people? Well, they're people who may associate with Christ, but they are not part of the vine ultimately. They are not God's people because they do not bear fruit. And ultimately, we read in verse 6 what happens to these branches. It says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, there's many things that we could focus on in this passage of Scripture. Uh, there's so much in there. I could do a whole series of sermons, and if it was 2008, I might try. Uh, but I'm trying to move more swiftly uh, through John's Gospel in more recent years. And so I'm just going to pick up on one thing here this morning that I thought was particularly interesting to me, and that is what happens to fruitful branches according to verse 2. What do you see in verse 2? I encourage you, if you've got a Bible there, open it up this morning. It'll be helpful to you. In verse 2... We read, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What happens to Christians who are bearing fruit? Well, Jesus tells us they are pruned. 
Now, why would you cut something that is growing? I'm assuming we all know what it is to be pruned. Uh, it's when the gardener comes along and cuts off parts of the plant. Why would you cut off something that is growing? Why cause the plant unnecessary pain? Well, we read in verse 2, he says, While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will, it will be even more fruitful. The gardener, God, comes along and cuts his people so that they will be even more fruitful. Why does pruning help us to understand this, uh, this act of God, that he produces more fruit in us by cutting us? Well, it's because we understand that that's what happens with plants. Plants are there to give glory to God and to help us to understand our relationship with God all the more. How does cutting a plant of branches that aren't bearing fruit, how does cutting that plant produce even more fruit? Well, on the plant, there are always branches that are unproductive in some way. And if you cut those branches, then what happens? The energy, the limited amount of energy that is there available to the plant goes to those branches that are producing fruit. What sort of branches do you cut off a plant? Well, I'm no gardener. Well, I've tried in the past. Uh, I have a reasonable amount of success with certain plants. Uh, but I looked this up, and there's different branches that a, a gardener will uh, cut. What branches does he cut? He cuts off those that are diseased. If a branch is dying, if it's infected in some way by some sort of parasite, he cuts it off. Why would you want resources to go to a diseased branch? You want resources to go to a branch that's not diseased so it can produce fruit. You also cut off downward growing branches, branches that are growing downward. Why? Because they're not going up to the sunlight. They're going in the wrong direction. They're not going to be helpful, and the fruit they produce is probably not going to be very good fruit because they're not getting the resources that they need. And there's another type of branch that you cut if you're a gardener, if you're wanting to prune the vine. It's those branches that are crossing over other branches. If you've got a branch that is crossing another branch, well, what happens to the branch behind it? If it's doing well and producing fruit, if a branch comes and cuts off the sunlight to it, of course it's not going to produce as good a fruit or as much fruit. And so there's these different types of branches that if you cut them off, it saves the energy for those parts of the plant that are going to produce fruit and may produce more fruit and even better fruit, bigger fruit and more juicy fruit. Now, how is this illustration helpful for us as Christians? Well, Christians are to bear fruit. We read that in verse 16. This is our purpose. Verse 16 of John chapter 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Why did God choose us? He's appointed us to do what? To go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. The purpose of a Christian is to bear fruit. Now, what is the fruit that we're supposed to bear? Well, lots of people would think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yes, but I think we could sum all those up in the way that the Lord Jesus likes to sum them up, even in this passage, with one word, and that is the word love. What is the fruit that a Christian is supposed to produce? It's love. And we see this in this passage. Look with me at John 15, verse 9. Try and count in your head how many times the word love is mentioned here. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. What fruit do we bear? Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then how does he finish it? This is my command. Love each other. What is the fruit that a Christian is supposed to produce? Love. But sadly, Christians devote a lot of energy to fruitless activities, to activities that are not loving in themselves and to activities that are not conducive to loving work. Like what? Well, like sinful activities. They're like branches that are diseased. They're actually harming the plant by existing. And so they need to be cut. Activities that are not obviously sinful. They're like downward branches. Remember the three types of branches that I said that a gardener will often cut, the diseased ones and the downward ones. Not wrong per se, but just not going in the right direction. Activities that are not sinful per se, but just not conducive to producing good fruit, to producing love. And activities that cross over other branches, other other people in their loving activities, like branches that cross over other branches. These are the things, these fruitless activities that do not promote love or as much love as could be had from God's people. And so what does God do? He prunes them. He prunes such activities. Now, how does God prune such activities? How does he prune sinful activities? How does he prune activities that are just not helpful for producing love? And how does he prune activities that are crossing over the other branches of the vine. Well, most people think that, uh, most people, a lot of people will jump to the conclusion that it's suffering, that God uses suffering to prune God's people. Whether it be physical pain, mental pain, persecution, that God uses suffering to prune people of activities so that they are going to produce more fruit. And yes, God does use suffering to humble people. I mean, you read the Old Testament, and he does it to his people again and again. He uses suffering to humble them. But many people go through intense suffering, really bad pain, and they just get nastier and nastier and more and more bitter. Suffering doesn't necessarily produce good, loving fruit. So how does God prune activities from our lives that don't promote love? Well, he uses his word, and we see that told to us in verse 3. Verse 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, the word of God, you can see there in verse 3, but how does that tell us that God uses the word to prune us? Well, if you knew some Greek, uh, you'd be in uh, a little bit more of an advantage here. But basically, if you look at verse 2 and you look at the translation that we have before us, if you've got a church Bible, you'll see that verse 2 where it says prunes there, there's a little letter, C, which encourages you to drop down to the margin and look for some translation note. And what does it say in the margin? The Greek for prunes also means cleans. And so basically you've got the same word used in two different ways and John loves doing this. He loves playing on words and he uses it in two different ways. He uses it for the way that was used in the Greek language for pruning, the word cleaning. And then he uses it in verse 3 to speak about cleaning as well, which ties back with what he's done at this Last Supper, which is clean the, people's, the, the disciples' feet. If you remember back to, oh, it's got to be two years ago maybe, um, when we looked at that together that, the, uh, that uh, Jesus was speaking about the cleanliness of his disciples. And so you could translate verse 3 with, you are already pruned because of the word I've spoken to you. 
You're already pruned. You've already been cut so that you are fruitful people. You're part of my vine because of the word I've spoken to you. And this is the case. God prunes by his word. He prunes us of activities, whether they be sinful, whether they be unfruitful activities, whether they simply be getting in the way of other people's fruitful activities. He prunes us of them by his word. So what is the place of suffering? Well, it exposes weak branches so that you then go to the word of God and prune them. Some people may be confined to their bed all of a sudden because of some physical pain. And what are they supposed to do? They're meant to go to the word and read it more intensely about what should I be doing with my life? What activities have God pruned in one sense by suffering that I can't get off my bed and fight with that person anymore? And then I look at his word and realize, oh, if I ever get off my bed because of his word, I will no longer fight with that person. And so suffering exposes weak branches. We see that with the false religions. False religions are okay for a time for some people. They think they are all right, but then suffering comes into their life. And suddenly that religion that they clung to before is shown for its weakness, that it can't help them through this period of suffering. And so they go back to the word and they examine it and are cut to the heart. And so we see this with examples. I could give you so many examples today as to how the word cuts us so that we produce even more fruit of love. For example, when it comes to disease branches, to come to outright sin, God's word loves to cut that sin from our life so that we don't spend more time on that sinful activity and waste time that we then could be using to love others. For example, when it comes to pornography, Pornography, pornography is like a diseased branch. It does not promote love for others, has a lot of self-love in it, but not love for others. But as we study the Bible, our hearts are cut and we then realise that that activity is wrong. When it comes to pornography, though, I think the word of God is more like a hedge trimmer than a pair of secateurs because there's so many other activities that are all caught up in that that need to be cut as well whether it be when it comes to just TV shows, mainstream TV shows or mainstream movies, they need to be cut somewhat as well. Or if it comes to music lyrics, they need to be cut. Or to the way they look at the other sex on the street, it needs to be cut as well. And your attitude towards others and your attitude towards God himself needs to be cut as a part of the overall treatment of God's word, the overall pruning of God's word to that sin. But it's wonderful. The heavy-duty hedge trimmer is got out and lots of things are cut at first. But in time, it's just a little snip here or there. As the person contemplates opening up the browser, they realise, oh, no, I can't do that. And they close the browser down on their computer. And it's just a little snip that happens now. Every now and then, as the temptation rises, it's just a little cut from God's word, which is stored in their head, confronts them and cuts it off so that... An hour of wasteful activity is cut and hopefully an hour of loving activity is engaged in instead. Or another example, the word can cut time-wasting activity in cutting downward growing branches that waste energy. These are, remember, activities that are not necessarily sinful but are not conducive to love. What could I be talking about here? Well, let's... I hope people don't get too offended if this is your particular hobby, but late-night gaming. If you stay up all late-night gaming on a Saturday night, 
And then you come to church the next morning and you feel tired and wretched and you don't want to talk to anyone. Was that a downward branch? That wasn't sinful per se, but it wasn't really going to produce much fruit the next morning for you. The word of God comes along and cuts such activities so that you then are more fruitful in the future. And another example would be where the word cuts a branch that is overcrowding another branch and preventing that branch from producing as much fruit or even the branch itself from producing as much fruit. An example of this would be where it's easy to speak to your friends after church. It's easy to produce fruit in the way that you speak to them and they speak to you, but wouldn't it be better to go and talk to someone who's a bit out of your comfort zone where no fruit is being produced over in that corner of the church because there's not much love happening over there. There's lots of love happening down in one particular area of the church, but in another area, there's not much love at all. What's happening? All the good branches, they're all crossing one another over there. But what happens? The word of God confronts us and says, you're meant to love everyone, even your enemies. And so what do you do? You're confronted, you're convicted. The branch is cut and you go off in another direction and produce fruit over there. So we see that the Bible, this is God's pruning tool, his word, and it is effective. It is the best pruning tool. Why is this so effective? Why is this the best pruning tool? Because other pruning methods are not as effective. What does the word do when it cuts? It makes a clean cut. When you consider other, there's lots of rules out there, man-made laws to encourage people to love one another, but they're not that as effective as the Bible because it makes a clean cut of those branches that are diseased or going in the wrong direction or covering other branches. You look at man-made laws. They're more like saws that cut a bit of the branch but leave part of it hanging. And what happens? Energy is still going to that branch as it's hanging there. Yes, it may have been reduced somewhat, but it's still taking on energy for something that's not needed. You see this with a gossip. A gossip might stop gossiping with others. Okay, that's a bit of a cut. They hear from someone, you shouldn't do that. But they continue to, in their heart, gossip. They continue to mull over the sins of others and to rejoice in them and to enjoy them. But what does the word do? It gives a clean cut. Cuts off the gossiping with the mouth, cuts off the gossiping in the heart. It makes a clean cut. And the word of God is the best pruning tool because it cuts the right part of the branch. So the fruitful part still remains. What am I talking about there? Well, to overcome sexual sin, man-made laws, what do they often do? They say, stay away from sex altogether. Become a monk. But the word says sex within marriage is a good and fruitful expression of love towards another person. And so it's okay. Whereas a man-made law, it doesn't cut at the right part. It can be the case with when it comes to your phone. Man-made law says get rid of your phone altogether. If it's leading you into sin, get rid of it. And there is a place for that at times. But the word of God can encourage you, just get rid of certain time-wasting apps from your phone. And keep those apps that are conducive to your love for God, particularly Bible apps. I love the Bible apps on my phone. They're very helpful for me to love God when I'm out and about. I'm able to produce love because of the phone. But the man-made law says get rid of it altogether. Whereas the word of God cuts at just the right part of the branch so that fruit behind that part is continuing to be produced. So the word is God's blade 
It's not suffering. Suffering drives us back to the word for pruning. And the word is best because it cuts cleanly, doesn't leave a branch hanging, to continue to take on energy, and it cuts in the right place to maximise loving fruit. Now, when does this pruning happen? Well, whenever we come under the word of God, whenever we're cut by the Spirit's word before us. For example, well, what you're doing right now, when you hear the word preached, you're being pruned. And this is sometimes when the biggest branches are cut off from a Christian. Some of the biggest time-wasting or sinful activities happen to be cut when the preaching of God's word is heard. Why? I don't know why, really. It's just God's way of doing things all through the centuries. It's a preached word. As God's servant is there explaining the word and you're amongst God's people and you're all sitting there with God's word, something profound takes place. And cherished activities are cut from your life for all time. You don't go back to them. It can be hobbies. It can be people that are sinful and a part of your life and encouraging you in sin. It can be jobs. You suddenly can commit and say, I'm not going to do that job anymore. I'm going in to quit tomorrow. It happens with the preaching of God's word often. Even now. Are you convicted about some time-wasting activity or some sinful activity? As I've been preaching this morning, are you considering that there is a part of your life that is unfruitful, is not conducive to love? It doesn't promote love for God and it doesn't promote love for others. It's a complete waste of time. It's drawing energy, your limited energy to it, and that energy could be far better used in another activity that is fruitful, as you are supposed to be producing fruit. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a waste of time. Does it need to be cut? Is God's spirit working upon you now as you come to his word and saying, cut it out, no more? But it's not just in the preaching of the word, of course. Another example when pruning happens is in the daily reading of God's word. Pruning of daily Bible reading is tremendous benefit to us. I'm not just talking about sins, I'm talking about even false doctrines that you may just be starting to engage in. And then as you read God's word rather than the writings of others, snip, 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 those little branches that were just sprouting out that are false are suddenly snipped and you never worry about them again because you simply had the word of God before you and you were convicted and confronted by it and you go, yes, that's, that's right, the Bible is right. And what I'm hearing from somebody else, that's wrong. And it comes through the daily reading of God's word. So what should we do in response to Christ's words? Well, we should come to the divine secretaries for pruning. We should come to the divine secretaries of God's word for pruning. We should ensure we're reading our Bible and sitting under the faithful preaching of God's word. If you're not being pruned under biblical preaching here, if you're coming here Sunday by Sunday and not benefiting, you go out from here and you're not producing fruit, as a result of the preaching of God's word, then find a church where you are going to hear faithful preaching of God's word, where you're going to be pruned Sunday after Sunday so that activities from your life are cut out and you are given over to loving activities, to fruit-producing activities instead. And we should also come to God's word and then evaluate all our activities by the word of God for loving fruitfulness, love for God and love for humans. Think about the way you spent even just yesterday, let alone the last week. 
Was it a fruitful activity that you were engaged in again and again over the week? Or occasionally through the week? Was it a fruitful activity? Was it conducive to love? A lot of your time may have been spent in a workplace. That's a loving work for society, as long as it's not a sinful job. It's a loving action to society, a loving action to your boss, a loving action to those around you. It's okay to be in the workplace and to do your job well. It's a fruitful activity. But what about other activities in your life? Bring them to the word of God for pruning. And if you are suffering this morning, come quickly to the secretaries for pruning. Suffering is there. If you're experiencing some sort of pain in your life, mental anguish, physical pain, how much more bending of the branch does God need to do before you allow the snipping of that branch altogether? Come quickly to God's secretaries for pruning. But you may be saying this morning, oh, but pruning hurts. Taking out those cherished activities, it hurts. And yes, it does. Tell that to the plant. It looks vicious when you go, particularly to a hedge trimmer with a, a plant. Chung, 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 chung. Those blades. It hurts. We cherish those branches that are diseased. We cherish those sins. We cherish those activities that are just growing downward. They're not really going to push us in a loving direction. They're not really doing much at all. Or the crossing of others. It's nice to spend time with other Christians and never get out of your comfort zone. We cherish doing that. We find pleasures in activities that are sinful. I mean, who wants to give up a TV show that the flesh enjoys? It hurts to give it up. So why then be pruned? Why be pruned? Why come to God's word for pruning? Why do you want to bear loving fruit? Well, it glorifies the gardener. And that's what we're told in this text. Look with me at verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is why we want to bear fruit, which is why we want to be pruned, which is why we go to God's word. Day after day, week after week. We go because we want to glorify God. And if you're a true Christian, this should ring true with your heart. Of course you want to glorify God. You want to glorify your creator. You want to glorify the one who sustains you day after day. You want to glorify the one who redeemed you from sin and death and eternal destruction in hell. Of course you want to produce him fruit, fruit for him. You want to glorify the gardener. You want to be a good plant that produces much fruit. But if that's not enough for you, there's another reason given in the text, and that's in verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Why do we want activities that are unfruitful to be pruned from our life when it hurts so much to get rid of that sin or that activity that we enjoy so much, which isn't necessarily sinful, but it still tickles our fancies? It's because there's a greater joy to be had by producing loving fruit. A nap may make you feel good for a time, but will it give you as much joy and fruit that going to a prayer meeting might give you? I know someone who went to a prayer meeting this week who was a bit begrudgingly going to this prayer meeting, like, oh, yeah, I don't really know, and it's people I don't know and this kind of thing. And out of that prayer meeting, going along to it, I mean, the person prayed as well at the prayer meeting, and so hopefully lots happened of loving fruit from that. 
But by going to the prayer meeting, they actually made contact with a few different people and all these fruits suddenly of love came out of that meeting. Now, the person could have stayed home and done something else that evening and produced fruit of another kind in front of the computer, done some administration, done a whole bunch of other activities. But by cutting that and going to a prayer meeting, all this fruit came out of that activity. There are things that we think, yeah, it's kind of neutral and it's okay. Is it or is it better to cut it and find an even greater joy by producing the fruit of love? And why else should we produce fruit? It glorifies God. It gives a joy that lasts. A joy that lasts. Thirdly, it shows that we're actually a Christian. It testifies to the fact that you're a Christian. And we see this in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do you want to know if you're a Christian and have eternal life? Look at your life. Is there fruit being produced in your life, the fruit of love for God and love for your neighbour as yourself? It then testifies that you are saved if you see such fruit. Because what happens to fruitless branches? Well, we're told in verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Oh, that's okay. I don't need the church. I don't need Jesus. What happens next? Verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. That's what happens to fruitless branches. This is why it's important to see fruit in your life. Glorifies God. There's a true joy that lasts from producing such fruit. But also it testifies that we will not be cut off, wither, and burned one day in the fires of hell. What should you do if that is you? If you look at your life now and you see a whole bunch of fruitless activities, you may not be that mean to others, but you're certainly not cultivating love to others and certainly not cultivating love to God. What should you do? Well, you should come to God's word for pruning. Come to God's word for cleaning. That's what we read in verse 3. You are already pruned. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It's Jesus who cleans you up. And how does he do it? Well, the word tells us. And I'll summarize it for you now. What do you need to do if you want to be pruned so that you are a fruitful branch and not going to be cut off, thrown away, and burned one day? Well, believe that your sin was pruned, cut off, and put upon Jesus Christ many years ago. This is what the word teaches us, that your sin is cut off when you become a Christian and put upon Christ. And then what happened to Christ? He was taken outside the camp. And what happened to Christ outside the camp? He was thrown away like a piece of trash and he was burned by God's wrath at the cross. If you believe that, then you can be a fruitful branch. You can produce love. You can be saved. And you will not be burned because Jesus was burned in your place. The fires of hell that you deserve were poured out upon him as God's branch, as God's righteous branch that was consumed with fire so many years ago by the fires of his wrath. 
so that you would produce loving fruit. Believe that this morning. If you don't see fruit in your life, come to Christ now and ask that your sin is cut off and put upon Christ so many years ago. Believe that it is true and then start producing loving fruit and keep coming to him for pruning. Keep wanting more and more fruit to glorify the God who put your sin upon his son many years ago so that you would not be burned and so that you will have that joy that lasts the joy that lasts, fruit that lasts for eternity, not just for an evening, for eternity. Desire that. Come to God's word for pruning and know that you are giving God glory and experiencing his joy that comes through producing his fruit. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the wise and loving gardener. Thank you for grafting us into the Lord Jesus by faith and then pruning us of activities that do not promote love. Oh Lord, we ask that you would help us to be willing to be pruned by your word so that all of our energy goes to activities that produce loving fruit, love for you and love for our neighbour. And we ask that you would do this so that you may be glorified through us and that we may experience increasing joy and know the assurance that we are yours and will never be picked up one day and burned in the fire. And Lord, we ask that if there is anyone here this morning who is not in Jesus, oh Lord, we pray that they would believe in him now, that they would trust in him for the forgiveness of sins and be grafted into him, the true vine, and not picked up and burned in hell forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.